What's tiny little Dennis doing? Oh. <laughs> I bet he's climbing inside the water bottles and giving them a good scrub, is he? <laughs> Mind you, don't drown in there, little man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or he could be riding around on a cockroach like a tiny little cowboy, <laughs> rounding up all the ants like that because he's so small. He's a very small man. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of A Very Special Episode, a podcast where I get to curl up on the sofa and talk telly with some of my favourite people. I'm Michael Lee Richardson, I'm a writer and youth worker, and I live in Glasgow. This episode, I'll be talking to uh, a writer and my fellow Edinburgh TV Festival Wants to Watch alumni, uh, Tasha Danraj, about... Uh, an episode of a show I'd never heard of called Corporate, uh, a comedy show called Corporate, season two, um, and the episode is called Natural Beauty, um, so you can hold tight for that. I'll be talking to Tasha about her some of her TV tastes, and then we'll, we'll be doing a little bit of a deep dive on Corporate. Um, as you can probably hear, I've got a bit of a cold this this week, um, so I do, do apologise. This is the episode that almost never was, um, for various quite boring reasons behind the scenes. I was having trouble getting the files to download from the, the website that I record the, the podcast through. What a boring story. Um, so, as you'll hear, I did record this back in October uh, when I was doing Sober October and the, that has very much flown the coop at this point in time. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff in here that's still very, very relevant uh, and I think it's a really good chat and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Um, I have been using when I can, I've been using these when I can, I have been using the kind of top end of these chats to recommend stuff that I've been watching on TV. Um, so this week, my recommendation is going to be for Canada's Drag Race season two. I, like a lot of people, have been kind of struggling to to keep up to date with um, all of the many and various spin-offs of Drag Race um, that we've had this year. But on my birthday, as a special birthday treat, I watched the whole of Canada's Drag Race season two in one go sort of went through the looking glass but I really enjoyed it a really good set of queens and some great challenges um, and some stuff that I think you'd only get away with um, with the kind of nice politeness of Canadian culture I cannot imagine uh, some of the some of the queens of RuPaul's Drag Race UK doing for instance the the makeover challenge with a bunch of high school kids yeah definitely a big recommendation and I really love uh, the queen who won um, and some fantastic looks as well uh, there you go Canada's Drag Race season two as your recommendation and without further ado here is Tasha Danraj my very special guest this week is Tasha Danraj Tasha is a multi-award winning comedy writer based in London she's written for several major UK broadcasters and has had sitcoms in development with Fudge Park Productions Vino and Big Deal Films currently she's the staff writer at BBC Studios Audio and is also working on multiple sitcoms, sketch shows and kids animation. Hello, Dasha. Hello, Michael. Hello, Hi. how are you? I am very good, I think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're recording this on a Friday, so I guess it's uh, uh, the end of the week for both of us. I, I, um, did, I did have a shot of wine before oh. I came on. Just a shot, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing um, sober October, I'm afraid. Oh, so uh, you're eight is... days, eight days into sober October. I'm eight days sober, <laughs> which <laughs> should not be a um, should not be any sort of achievement. But 
uh, after sort of lockdown and stuff like that. It's a bit of a resetting my tolerance moment. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, if I seem not quite as peppy as I as yourself, <laughs> then that's why. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. What sort of I'm t- chatting to us as if there's like any other people here <laughs> apart from myself <laughs> um what sort of stuff did you watch when you were younger um so when I was younger like kind of my I was always really into American tv because mm. um I lived at I lived with my aunt for quite a few years and they had sky and to be fair actually my parents had sky as well but um <laughs> yeah it was all about Nickelodeon Disney Channel and so for the first like few years of my life I refused to watch anything other than animation oh interesting so, like, I had this like real thing where I was like no I only like cartoons so I only like Hey Arnold and the Wild Thorn Breeze and uh, I was like really <laughs> adamant about it <laughs> I mean those are good cartoons to uh to be adamant about watching so. they are great cartoons and then and then yeah I got a bit then like I was like okay but I'll, I'll I'll also accept Smart Guy Smart Guy was the first thing I was like I'll watch Smart Guy as well that's okay <laughs> and then from Smart Guy because like because of like because I was born in 93 so I'm kind I kind of caught the tail end of like Keenan and Kel and the Fresh Prince but like my <sighs> sort of like my proper era is more like that's so Raven Drake and Josh and the Amanda show mm. and the Amanda show in particular like the Nickelodeon Twitter account posted this picture of like 10 characters from the Amanda show the other day and it brought back so many memories <laughs> and I hadn't quite I hadn't quite appreciated I think it, um until like literally that moment a few days ago how much the Amanda show impacted my sense of comedy and like my sense of humor I think you can look back at those things because I keep realizing basically that I'm just rewriting Clarissa explains it all <laughs> from like <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> whenever so, I like I like to I do things and it's like bits to camera and stuff and I'm like I'm like drawing on like YouTube culture and like TikTok and it's like you're just doing Clarissa from like 1992 <laughs> <laughs> but my my very cool if you like Clarissa when I went to so I went to NYU for six weeks uh while mm. I was at uni and my sitcom teacher was one of the head writers on Clarissa Explains It All. Oh my gosh, celebrity, starstruck. It was very cool, it was very cool. <laughs> was the Amanda show Amanda Bynes? Yeah. Oh wow. It was Amanda wow. Bynes. It's one of those shows, it's a bit like Glee, in that everyone involved in it seems to have had some kind of tragic, oh, wow. tragic onward story. But yeah, so it was um, Amanda Bynes, Drake Bell and Josh Peck. Oh wow, yeah. And, you know... <laughs> maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about the cast <laughs> yes yes which which one was the big guy was that josh that was josh that was josh he seems to have come out of things relatively unscathed yeah yeah we probably yeah. shouldn't we probably shouldn't paint him with the same brush as Kate <laughs> <Bell> anymore. <laughs> and poor amanda maybe she's i think she's about to have a moment i can i could feel it amanda Bynes is an incredible comedy actress and she deserves nothing but success and I hope it all comes to her. Yes, yes, we like that. We like that. What sort of stuff do you like watching now? What's your what are your go to genres? So, like, I so I mean, I watch sitcoms more than anything else. But I watch mm. American sitcoms a lot more than UK sitcoms because UK sitcoms, it's just constantly me going, "Oh yeah, I see what they've done there. Yeah, yeah, okay, interesting." Ah. And of course, on that channel, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm quite <laughs> I'm quite boring to watch UK sitcoms yeah. with. Um, and- 
Often UK sitcoms are six episodes that come out every three years or something. <laughs> and it's hard to get invested when that's the sort of turnover, yeah, I find, it, anyway. Oh, it, it's really hard. But actually, the UK sitcoms that, like, really, uh, for me, just mean I can just... I, I'm just so excited whenever they're back. And Ladhood is kind of, like, my key mm. one. I absolutely love Ladhood. And uh, the other one is Staff Less Flats, which is just a brilliant... Oh, I've never watched that but I hear really good things about it and it's a great cast like yeah the, the cast is amazing it's just so dumb and <laughs> I, I love dumb stuff I love the stupider the better in my opinion <laughs> when it comes to comedy um so yeah so I so I watched that a lot and then um yeah so I watched a lot of comedy dramas but I want to be very specific about what I mean by a comedy drama. Yes. Because I think we have it the wrong, the wrong way around in this country. Oh, interesting. And in, in what way? What do you mean I, by that? I think that we have a lot of dramas that have an occasional joke in it. Mm-hmm. And then we call that a comedy drama. Yes. Yes. I would absolutely agree. Whereas in America... They have like, you know, it varies because you know, I feel like Orange is the New Black is a drama that had a couple of jokes in it and yet one mm. best comedy is like, what? Whereas like they've got things like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin and those two for me have all the tone of a comedy. They have all the lightheartedness and funniness and silliness of a comedy, but then they do the drama beats really, really well and yes. they have enough going on to sustain it for an hour. Um, yes. And that style, basically the kind of show you can watch because I feel like drama often the stuff that's like prestige drama is like harrowing. Yes, <laughs> yes. I I don't I don't like to be harrowed. <laughs> well, who needs to be harrowed at this I don't stage? Don't want to be harrowed. <laughs> Let me be. <laughs> that being said, I am watching Squid Game because everyone is watching Squid Game and it is amazing and it's the right the right side of harrowing in my opinion yes well I've only watched the first episode and maybe I've just been sort of pummeled into the ground by 2021 but I'm like it's not that bad (laughs) compared to what people are saying about it um maybe it gets a lot worse I don't know I'm I'm on episode I'm on episode three I've completed episode three and I feel like yeah it's one of those things where it's like obviously what's happening is really awful but it's kind of directed in this really accessible watchable way well visually like I mean the the like sort of game areas feel like a video game and almost like I mean they look sort of aesthetically like a kind of 90s video game a lot of the time so I feel like maybe that's where some of the uh, the like very violent stuff is not hitting like you're watching multiple people get shot for me anyway yeah I think you might be right I really think you might be right about that because I'm finding it like I said the subject matter is horrible like it's a horrible horrible show but I find it like for me like kind of my big example of just where I just couldn't deal was Breaking Bad. Oh like, God, we've. Um, this is not the first time Breaking Bad has come up on this show, oh. and I have <laughs> thoughts about it. But yes, I would agree, it's very bleak. But Breaking Bad, I couldn't handle it. Like I watched the whole series because I had to, but mm. I I didn't enjoy that series. Like yes. it was just me, like oh my word, what now? Whereas <laughs> whereas Squid Game, I'm properly enjoying it, and I'm not just watching it to try and get to the end so that I can talk about it in meetings I, <laughs> i'm like genuinely enjoying the ride um, oh god there are definitely those shows that you watch because you have to talk about them in meetings oh that my is... gosh <laughs> oh my gosh so many 
so many. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Breaking Bad has come up quite a few times on this show. And my thing with Breaking Bad was always that I kind of went into it thinking the setup of this show is weeds, but with a man in it. Like it's like a <laughs> suburban person turns to drug dealing is the show Weeds. And then I kind of watched it and I was like, this is just weeds for people who hate jokes and brevity. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan, but I'm, I'm always like not keen to like slag stuff off on telly, partly because working in telly, you might meet the person who oh, wrote that or worked on that, but also because I just find it quite boring to slag things off. But something like Breaking Bad, which, you know, the creator of that must have made like a bajillion dollars every episode so who, <laughs> who cares what I think about well, like, it I mean, cause my, my kind of logic so like with Breaking Bad for example the writing on Breaking Bad is incredible the mm. direction like Breaking Bad for achieving what it wanted to achieve it nailed it it just isn't something I want to watch no <laughs> you know? no it's I like I think, I think as a piece of art I'm like great like you know, writing's amazing, acting's amazing, directing's amazing, storytelling's amazing. I just don't want it, please. Mm. It's, no, I, I think would. it's like, I feel like it's probably like when people get like a really spicy curry. Like some people <laughs> really can't, I can't handle the spiciness. No, I would, I would absolutely agree. <laughs> it's too hot for me. <laughs> um, what are your your US sitcoms that you watch? I mean, so I watch like, I feel like I watch all the ones that everyone's expecting will expect me to be saying so community us office parks and rec um scrubs is something i probably re-watch the most regularly oh wow yes like i do a full re-watch of that like about every, once every 18 months or so ah scrubs is a show that i feel like existed for such a long time and and everybody watched it and now you don't hear about it as much like I, maybe it sort of did sort of the wheels fell off in the last couple oh, of yeah, the seasons last, the last but... series of scrubs do- doesn't never happened um, it just it just never got made. Actually, it was a real shame. It got cancelled, even though they planned out those. <laughs> but um, but I like Scrubs for me is something that I like. I watch it a lot, and and when I was working on um this show Bloods for Sky One, which is set in a paramedic, it's set in a paramedic depot, and I just constantly hmm. brought up Scrubs the whole time. I think I annoyed all the other writers by just constantly harping on about Scrubs. <laughs> but for me, that show gets the tone of being like it has really bleak frigging moments you know it has some real darkness yes some real sadness but it never forgets it's a comedy ever no i would agree i would agree because the, the oh what was she called is she called laverne, laverne yeah uh, so like, yes yeah that episode spoiler alert where she <laughs> <Yeah>. dies is <laughs> really moving in the way that I feel like when you see lists about like TV, like that one episode of The West Wing where the old lady dies, the episode of Buffy where her mum dies, that those lists should also have the episode where Laverne dies totally. on it because that is a, a very sad piece of television, but also very the funny. Thing, like, they, they undercut um, it. They go for the super, super sad moment and then they undercut it. And I think that's kind of what's missing a lot of the time people in like a lot of tv these days when it comes to like comedy drama and i know people would never call scrubs a comedy drama but actually it carries off the drama beats so well because Mm. it also Mm. carries off the comedy beats but yeah laverne laverne dying on scrubs is one of the like is so emotional so upsetting 
And then in the next episode, they bring her back and just pretend she's a different oh, character. <laughs> and, and like that, that to me, that's what I want. That's what I want from every show I've ever watched where someone I like dies. <laughs> I just want them to bring them back the next day. In fact, did you ever watch um, iZombie? No, no, I've not seen I it. Zombie. I've not seen it. I did get, um, I got sort of burned out on the zombie as a genre. Yeah for a while no, so, I, I, can, yeah. I can understand that i can understand that but um i zombie is brilliant i really 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 recommend it and there's a character in it who's got like a two or three episode plot in like series one i think and then he dies and it's like oh it's sad he's died they just bring his back him back as an identical twin and of then, he, and then oh he's just God. in it for the rest of the show and <laughs> i'm just re- like the, the thing i like to think in my head is that it wasn't that they thought that the character was so great it was that the actor they all liked the actor so much they didn't want to kill off they didn't want to stop working with the actor that's the headcanon mm. for me is that every yes. time they do that it just must mean the actor is like part of the family and they love them yes yes and why wouldn't you do that <laughs> why wouldn't you like uh, yeah i think that's that sounds fab i've never actually watched i zombie what is it but is she a zombie detective the, the premise or something it's one of the best premises for any show ever and they deal with it in the opening titles so there's no big build up to the premise. It's just Incredible. she uh, got bitten. She's a zombie. But um, so she was a doctor, became a zombie. So got herself put in the morgue so she could get access to brains without killing anyone. And when she Amazing. eats people's brains, she inherits their memories. Ah. And so she then solves the murder case of the people whose brains she eats. That is so funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday, away from this podcast, weirdly enough, but about basically that show and they that people keep making that show and it'll be like um jennifer love hewitt is a psychic or like or what do you call her elijah dushku oh yeah yeah had one where <laughs> <laughs> true calling where, where, where like a person can has like a weird psychic ability so that they can solve murders and things but having to eat somebody's brains in order to do it is quite a a nice new yeah, take on and like that. the zombie like aspect of it gets bigger and bigger as the show goes on so it kind of it starts mm. off as a detective show and then becomes a zombie show like halfway through but it's it's very good fun it's very good fun <laughs> um what's your we've already talked about scrubs but do you have any other comfort watches like shows that you go back to again I, yeah again? like i think me and my partner we rewatch a lot of things so we rewatch the office we rewatch um yeah like parks and rec and 30 rock i think for us like because um especially doing this bbc job i have meetings so much i have so many meetings all the time mm. about various different things and he has like a corporate job so he's always in meetings and so we quite often only have like a 20 minute overlap window to have lunch Aww. so <laughs> one of those kind of shows where we've watched it before we don't need to pay attention and we can just do 20 minutes in out back to our meetings like that's it's been a very useful, <laughs> useful, I don't know, like show to have on the go in whatever capacity. I think in the, in the sort of having meeting space, though, like rewatching stuff can be a weird drawback because I like whenever I go into meetings and they ask that question of like, what are you watching just now? I'm always like, like I'm rewatching Buffy for the 119th <laughs> time or something like people do. But I feel like, yeah, you're supposed to say whatever the whatever the yeah, new that's, thing that's is that's why i always watch that new thing that's why even if i don't mm. like it i will force myself to watch it but like squid game for example thank goodness i really like it but i'm 100 percent sure that every meeting i go into 
I will have to say, I will be like, oh yeah, Squid Game, isn't it amazing? Um, but yes. yeah, I always, like I said, I think with me, like I really try to keep on top of like what's going on in the British comedy landscape, just so that in any meeting, I'm never caught out. I think I think mm. it comes to, back to I had this one time uh, really early in my career one of, one of my first ever general meetings with a production company I was like oh I've got this idea for a sitcom um it's called Forever and Ever and it's about this um I can't even remember the premise now this woman <laughs> this woman gets haunted by her ex-boyfriend's ghost and yes that's it she was going to dump she's going to dump him then he died became a ghost and now they're like bound together forever even though she didn't actually want to be with him anymore and um mm. i was explaining this to this producer and he goes that's the plot of marley's ghosts and i've not even heard of marley's ghosts uh, but it's on it's on uk tv it's no. a sitcom on uk tv that's got like really famous people in it and it was out and it like <laughs> had like three series and i went and watched it and i was like yeah that's that is that is what <laughs> I just spent six months writing. Yeah, okay. And so basically, I'm so terrified of that happening again. I'm a lot better now at keeping on top of it. <laughs> and that's such a horrible thing to happen that, like, when you have sort of poured your heart and soul into something, and then I'm talking from very recent <laughs> experience, when you've poured your heart and soul into something, it gets somewhere down the line, and then somebody else makes yeah. it. First, the worst oh, one I ever horrible. had was when Netflix commissioned, created, made, and released a show that I'd only thought about that day. And I was like, <laughs> "How dare you? Oh that was going to be my that was going to be my How big idea, and they? you've stolen it. <laughs> you've stolen it. Clearly, about five years before I had the idea, but you stole it. <laughs> uh, what I was the show? Was, a spy school if i i basically just wanted to remake spy kids because spy kids was something else i really liked as a kid <laughs> that, they've remade that recently is it a movie or a show i've seen something it's very it, it's um one of those spy kids is one of those things which sits in that very specific thing of like i'm just old enough that it was like the thing that babies liked oh. when I was that age. So I would have been like, oh God, can't believe you would go and see Because <laughs> they did they did Spy Kids 4D. Do you remember Spy Kids wow. 4D? It was it was at a normal cinema. You sh- you watched it at a normal cinema, but so because I watched it at the Burgess Hill Cinema and that's not that's not kitted out for 3D movies. <laughs> and they like at one point like um like this arm comes out and oh it was amazing. It was like one of the best cinema experiences of my of my child's <laughs> life was spiking and it had like Sylvester Stallone in it, and like I think Frankie Muniz might have been in it. It was it was a weird movie, but it was <laughs> it was in four D, not three D, four D. Oh my gosh! <laughs> What's something that you watch that's outside of your wheelhouse? So something people wouldn't expect you to. Watch? I think I, people are always very surprised to learn that I not only watch I'm a celebrity. I love I'm a Celebrity. That's interesting. See, I was very much a Big Brother gal, mm. and I think never quite... I've never quite quite gotten on board with I'm a Celebrity because I just... It's not that I'm put off by the sort of Bush Tucker trials and the weird challenges. It's that, like, it's often too close to a sport for me to be interested <laughs> in it. Like, no, it's weird, actually, because I'm... Like, yeah, because I, I watched Big Brother when I was a child. So, like, before I really understood most of what was going on on Big Brother. Mm. 
I watched a lot of Big Brother. And yeah, I think I can't even remember when I yeah, like I started watching I'm a Celebrity like when my mum started watching it, which must have been the first series. And then I like went to university and I wasn't watching it. And then in second year, I'd pushed for my house to get a TV license. No one else wanted a TV license. And then I got gastroenteritis the week of I'm a Celebrity starting. So for a month, I just, I couldn't eat anything for a month. I was just, everything I ate just was an absolute disaster. It was a push tucker trial in itself. And <laughs> and so I just like, was just ill. I just sat on the sofa in my disgusting student flat, oh, student house, and watched I'm a Celebrity. And from that moment, I have not watched, I've not missed a single series. And oh, I, wow. what episode, oh. I like fully fully committed who are the standout i'm a celebrity celebs that's the thing that's not really about them <laughs> it's not really about oh. them. <laughs> i'm trying to even think because like the most recent series was like yeah i don't even remember any of their names like i know that the one who's married to what's his name from mcfly was in it and i know that that guy who i recognized from that thing was in it and there was another guy who I hadn't heard of, but I think he's a radio presenter. You know, like this is this is the extent mm. of it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just like I, I honestly think I watch it for Anton Deck. Ah, oh, yeah, I can see why. I mean, I like Anton Deck. Because also, like Saturday Night Takeaway, the the first Saturday Night Takeaway they did, or like the one they did just as we'd all gone into lockdown, they did this. It was so naff. And I cried and cried and cried where they did a dance. They did a dance and they got everyone to record themselves doing the dance and everyone as a nation danced together. Oh, I remember watching. Yeah, I remember watching that first episode and just, it just felt a bit haunted and weird. (laughs) And I think I was just uncomfortable. Oh no, I was like, the nation is healing. Well, so much of that, like, so much of a show like that, those kind of shiny floor shows are just like, we need to be screaming and up all the time. And then, you know, you've got Anton Deck in a big and empty studio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'm a massive Anton Deck fan, which again, you know, I don't know if that's very woke anymore, Uh, you know. There's been some dark shadows. But <laughs> I'm just like, I'll just, I'll just forget about those. I love Anton Dex. So. Um, what's an iconic TV moment you go back to? So this is like, because I was thinking about I'm a Celebrity and I was thinking about this. I can't remember which series it was, but in the last few years, Dennis Wise, who my boyfriend tells me is a football player, um, was on I'm a Celebrity <laughs> And he's the same height as Declan and as Deck. And they had a running joke for the entire series that Dennis Wise is a very small man. And I don't know why, but it remains one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's just <laughs> Deck going, he's a very small man, repeatedly <laughs> every night for three weeks solid. And what a specific joke. It's, it's what? So specific. <laughs> and the more they told it, the funnier it became. Um, and so, yeah, so that that for me is something when I'm really sad, I watch compilation videos of Deck going, he's a very small man. And without fail, I will laugh. <laughs> um, what are you, apart from Squid Game, I guess, what are you watching right now? Uh, what am I, What else am I watching? Like my partner and I have, um, we have to have a list on, like on, we have to have a shared OneNote of everything oh, we're wow. watching because 
That is that is very um that's very organized. Well, no, I, think. We don't, I wish we don't I had update that. it enough. We don't update it enough. <laughs> but um yeah, so we just yeah, just this about an hour ago we finished watching this series of Ted Lasso. Oh, I still haven't watched the last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that as soon as the, I'm the off. The final this, episode was my favourite episode of the series, actually. Ah. Um but I can't even I can't even think like yeah because loads of stuff we've been watching just came to an end so um we just finished watching Lucifer which is another show that to me gets the balance of comedy drama exactly right mm. um have you seen Lucifer I haven't I'm it's definitely on my another list my to watch list premise, um yes he's a crime solving yeah. devil <laughs> He's the devil. <laughs> and he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. And he's br- he's absolutely brilliant. And it's one of those shows where, like, the first series, I, like, my partner and I, like, watched the whole first series and we were like, is this genius or is this the worst show I've ever seen? <laughs> and we really couldn't make up our minds on whether or not the writers knew. Like, we couldn't tell if the writers were taking it oh. seriously or not. And because it was just, just so so dumb it's just so dumb Mm. and so ridiculous and then there's this moment i think in series two where um lucifer uh played by that man from miranda whose name i can't remember what's his name uh something ellis yeah tom ellis that's it tom ellis played by tom ellis gets on a guitar and sings the song crime solving devil it makes incredible And he plays it to the tune of the Lucifer theme tune. Oh my god! Oh and my it's god. just like it's just like a random moment in an episode, and that was the moment for me when I was like, "Oh, the writers know exactly what they're doing," and as hmm. such, this show is genius. That's brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan. We're definitely going to play out with that song at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in the middle of a rewatch of anything at the minute? Um, well, yes, yeah, so we're rewatching The Office. I'm coming to the end of my Scrubs rewatch. Um, I want to start rewatching Angel very soon because mm. Angel I've not seen since I watched it as a teenager, and even then I only watched it after Buffy finished. So I only watched like the last uh, series, I think. I went back to it because it's just gone on. I well, I've just noticed it anyway that it's gone on Disney Plus. Oh, how- it? in the uk oh, yeah yeah i am um, the original disney prince is angel <laughs> bless him um i went back to it and i was like oh my god i do not remember this show being this 2000s it's like everything is a sort of there's like those snappy little cuts between every scene oh. and you always get establishing shots of like parts of la and then there's lots of matrix style slow motion fighting oh my gosh. and it is sometimes you've got to be in the mood for that but when you are in the mood for that it it absolutely ticks all the boxes i, think. I don't think i'm ever not in the mood for that like that, <laughs> that is my mood <laughs> well cuz i i rewatched buffy um over lockdown for the first time in yeah like since since it went out cuz when it went out originally i was like obsessed with it and Mm. um my current cat is called Rupert Giles um, and in the past I've had a Buffy and a Willow um oh brilliant you know I've been naming cats after the characters from that show (laughs) for 20 years but I hadn't seen the show for 20 years and yeah I watched it over lockdown and I was like this is such a good show (laughs) this is such a good show well I am always re-watching Buffy I'm never not in the middle of a Buffy rewatch, yeah. but I I think it stands up. Like I think it it 
absolute there's like a obviously the sort of 90s clothes and the there's some very hokey elements of it but i think writing wise it massively stands up mm, and a hundred percent and it's it's weird because it's like there's so much misogyny in it where sometimes the misogyny is like xander saying something that we're meant to find funny and sometimes the misogyny is oh yeah this is like shining a light on misogyny in the in society mm. it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting balance but um and obviously now we know what we know about joss whedon but again he doesn't exist uh it's really interesting that no one wrote buffy and no one directed <laughs> buffy <laughs> it's amazing that happened um yes it's incredible yeah it's just this like remarkable like piece of art that just like came down from heaven it's remarkable in, in all so many ways yeah I feel like the writing is incredible and the drama is incredible and the jokes are incredible and just oh, yes so funny yes. so dramatic so moving and so watchable just so watchable yes and so many acrylic sweaters on <laughs> Willow which I've so for some reason really invested in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Willow had some great jumpers. She really did. And lots of leather pants as well. Oh, Sorry, I'll go so, on. I'll, oh, make, I'll yeah. do a spin-off Buffy fashion <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, what is your very special episode? Uh, so the episode I've brought today, Michael, uh, is an episode <laughs> of a TV show called Corporate. And Corporate finished last year. It had three seasons. And I have not met a single person who has watched it. I had never heard of this, I have to be honest. Like, I, it just had never turned up on my radar at all. Like, how did you find out about this show? Because so, um, they had adverts for it on Comedy Central. So in between ah. watching episodes of Friends, they had adverts for it. And <laughs> the adverts made it look quite weird. Like, it is a weird, it's a weird show. But the adverts didn't quite sell it. I was like, oh, I don't quite know what this is from the adverts. Um, but then they, I think it was on after an episode of something we were watching or something like that. And, um, my partner works for a very, very big corporation. So instantly we were like, oh, okay, there's, there's some parallels here between you and (laughs) this show. So, uh, we'll give it a go. And it is literally one of the funniest sitcoms. It's been one of my favorite sitcoms of years and years and years and years like I think the writing is incredible and it's so different like it's got a, such a specific feel and flavor so like it doesn't feel like because like you know when you watch like Parks and Recreation and you watch like Superstore and Community you could imagine them all happening within the same universe yes yes whereas like and then I think like 30 Rock's probably a really good example like 30 Rock no other sitcom exists in that world no and corporate to me has that same thing of it is so distinctive. It's so, so, so distinctive and so, so funny. And yeah, like basically no one watched it. I've, I've gone to so many meetings and they've been like, what are you watching? And I've said corporate and they're like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, it's no, I've literally not met anyone, <laughs> anyone who's watched it. And it is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I always like it when you go to a meeting and you say you're watching something and they haven't heard of it. It's like, ah, oh, like uh, there's something, it's like liking a cool band before yeah. they're famous or something. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, liking corporate is definitely, it's probably the, the coolest opinion I have. <laughs> 
But I think I think um, we'll talk about what you like about the episode in a bit. But I think one of the things I really reacted to was that tonal thing mm. because I think there's a lot of a lot of. I mean, I get I absolutely get why, and I think there's a massive space for it, and I really like these kind of shows. But I think a lot of contemporary comedy is in that kind of Shit's Creek. Ted Lasso space mm, yeah. that that I think Parks and Recreation maybe is the blueprint for where it's quite nice and the people like each other and it's quite there's a very the, uh, yeah it feels like they could exist in the same world and there's quite a specific tone whereas this did feel it felt a little bit colder in a good way a little bit sort of meaner and cutting and there was a bit of bite to it and it looks different as well yeah I think because that's thing, cause like I love those shows you know I love like Parks and Rec and Shits Creek and all of those happy shows but the thing that's interesting mm. for me about corporate is it is totally biting it's totally because it's satire you know it's really excellent societal satire and yet it's so easy to watch yes. <laughs> the fact that it manages yes. to balance being a bit colder a bit meaner while still being completely binge worthy yes it's not unpleasant as no, well I think yeah you know you can get that kind of mean comedy that just you know, you get to a point where you're like, now you're just shouting at me and I don't really know what to do with it. But it wasn't unpleasant. It was, you know, it's a funny, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot, actually. Yeah, 100%. Do we need any context for this for this episode? Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's the series. So the series is about two white men who are fairly senior, but also bottom of the barrel of the senior levels of a corporation and the corporation is the deville corporation and <laughs> there is never any clarity on what that company does at any point. oh i like that because i was about to ask like what is this company no, this company <laughs> this company is everything and nothing this company this company does whatever it feels like doing so there's an episode and it's it's a great vehicle for comedy because there's an episode where they satirize like um television and there's an episode where they satirize smart watches and just all of those different things because i guess the closest thing would be kind of amazon probably mm. but it's kind of more of like yeah i mean i don't even know i guess it'd be more like um what's that one that owns everything that they always talk about in 30 rock gm or is that, is that yes it? yeah <laughs> um i guess it's probably more like a gm or something where it's literally just everything and yeah so you kind of your main entry points are these two guys matt and jake and they're both matt's a bit hopeful that the world might still be okay whereas jake just hates everything and is here for a paycheck and nothing else and then they've just got like a host of supporting characters and it's like you know there's there's very little in the way of arc for the series so mm. you just kind of come in and it's like what are they up to cool and like i say no i like that yeah. though i like that as a as a I do think there's a that was something I reacted to because I, I you know I have never heard of this show <laughs> before today and then watched this episode and I was like I was immediately in with mm. it and I didn't feel like I was missing out on much context although I will say that um I think partly because the company is called Deville <laughs> and also partly because Lance Reddick has such a particular charm yeah it's like is he the devil? Like, is he supernatural? Like, what is this? His, his name, his, his name is Christian Devil. Oh, <laughs> of course his it name is. is Christian wow. Devil. And Lance Reddick's character is pretty much my favourite character in it 
because he runs this line he runs this incredible line between being like very he's not really ever evil <laughs> like you know the the worst is, is that he just doesn't care about certain things mm. but also he's really insecure and also he like just wields this power and enjoys it oh it's he's a really nuanced character played by this like i feel like i feel like lance reddick needs to do more comedy roles and mm. i think it's a real shame that he's not starring in his own sitcom in another sitcom because i mean you know he he steals the show in john wick are you a john <laughs> are you a john wick fan michael i have to be honest i know him from the wire but i've never seen john wick but i feel like i would like it and it's just a matter of time john john wick in fact, in terms of comfort shows, I watch John Wick about once every six months, all three of them, because ah. if I'm angry, nothing will resolve that anger quicker than watching Keanu Reeves murder a bunch <laughs> of people with military precision. It's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, Lance Reddick is in John Wick as a concierge, and he's just he's very good in that role. But um, yeah, I feel like he has so much fun in corporate, and you can tell he has so much fun in corporate. Yes, yes, he should do this more often. I do. I think he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> Can you give us a sixty-second synopsis of the episode? So the episode that I specifically have brought today is called uh, "Natural Beauty," and mm-hmm. it's basically an episode fundamentally about uh, sexism in the workplace, but more broadly, or like more specifically in this episode, the company Deville is developing makeup to sell to men because if they can get men to feel terrible about themselves then they'll be able to profit off their insecurities is essentially the point of the episode but in doing so they kind of touch upon lots of different things like how like men try and police women's tone uh, in the workplace about how men control the air conditioning in workplaces so that it's cold for women but not for men who wear suits and it just it kind of like does a real broad brush strokes over loads of different aspects of modern day sexism and how it impacts women and how women are made to feel rubbish about themselves but all under this guise of let's market makeup to men and it's in the end they call it um, they come up with a makeup called armor like armor <laughs> it's armor and they try to sell it to they they kind of the big ending of it is the problem with selling makeup to men is that men are insecure but they're too insecure to admit that they're insecure um <laughs> so we need to find a way to like get them to accept they're insecure without making them feel like it's because they're insecure and as they're presenting this to lance reddick's character christian deville he just goes men aren't insecure and then just <laughs> scraps the whole idea because no one can say that he's insecure and it's just so dumb it's so clever it's so well you're <laughs> so dumb but it's so clever it's like i feel like it does that thing that good comedy does really well of obviously the jokes are great but i feel like every scene takes what we just saw and turns it slightly it's just so it's so tight. It feels tight as a 21 minutes of television. And it, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I didn't realise that that uh, from this episode, I didn't realise that they were the main sort of characters. Is it Matt? Yeah, Matt, Matt is the one Matt who... Jake. Matt's the one that still has some life left in his eyes. And Jake <laughs> is the one who is, who's given up hope for everything. <laughs> Is is Matt the one who wears makeup in this episode? Yeah, yeah. And then Jake is the bald guy? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the bald guy has a different name. The bald guy is John. So, <laughs> oh, okay. so Jake is the one who is doing the pre- 
presenting and ah, yes. Matt is the yes. one who has makeup put on himself. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I love this woman, Kate, Yes, who has the B-plot about tone. Like that that whole scene where um, the HR woman brings out the the book. Yeah. The sort of <laughs> the guide. Except to... tones for women in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like sexy ghosts and things <laughs> like that. Oh my God. It's so clever. Yeah. Because also um, like the other thing with corporate is they, they drop in some really like like really extreme language like it's sexy ghost and also horny toddler is something they yes, say yes. <laughs> like, oh, and they're just like they're just like drop in that phrase and then just like carry on as if as if they didn't just say something like that yeah I loved it I loved it what was what's the stuff that you like in this episode like I, said, I feel like this is like and like I said I, I love all of corporate it's three series I think each series has like 10 episodes in it so it's such a quick watch if you want to watch the entire thing but I feel like this is a really classic example of them taking a huge issue making some really frigging good points about that issue but also and I, I think I've said this quite a few times in this podcast but never forgetting that it's a comedy yes <laughs> like yes, it's dealing yes. with actually really big societal problems and making you really really laugh about it the whole time because i feel like you could do this episode as like a straight drama like um maybe not maybe not entirely but like the points it's making you could make in a straight drama drama but i think something about i mean i think comedy and bringing out the ridiculousness of that is what makes this really good i mean that that first that opening scene where christian i think is telling them that he wants them to pitch new addictions yeah. for americans <laughs> like that it's so silly but also that's kind of what advertising is yeah and then the end of the episode where they decide that they will sell nicotine toothpaste <laughs> and they'll sell it as like a health thing because you'll want to brush your teeth more. Um, oh my gosh. But like, but the other thing, the other thing that's really good with corporate is it's one of the shows where you really have to be on it with the pause button because mm. they write on whiteboards all the time in the in the various episodes and there'll always be so many jokes written on the whiteboard and you have to be able to like pause at just the right time to read <laughs> all of the jokes in that episode. It's it's remarkably impressive it's so good it's so good i love the sort of red pill blue pill <laughs> matrix reference with the red and blue eyeliners as well just like quite a particular reference to make well i was about to say like a kind of almost like a dated reference but then when you think about where red pill and blue pill has gone in yeah. 2020 <laughs> 2021 not dated and also very very relevant to this thing about workplace sexism yeah yeah no i just it, it's so funny and so good i love the woman who was the hr i'm terrible with yeah names so yeah her character is grace uh, she's played by apana nanchala who is one of the best uh comedy actresses and writers she's one of those people where like when you when you like clock who she is you will see her turn up in everything. So she's mm. in Mythic Quest. She's in, and I now can't think of anything else, but she's in Mythic <laughs> Quest and she writes on tons of shows as well. And she's just so funny. And I, th I think she writes on this show, but you can watch some of her stand up on YouTube as well. And she is absolutely hysterical. I'm so interested in that as like a, as like a real, like in with the bricks part of the American comedy system that they like, that there's so many writer performers who are like in, in the stuff that they write mm. is very interesting to me as somebody who does write comedy but as somebody who would rather die 
a thousand times than get up and perform it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like I feel like because in the UK we're obsessed with this idea of like a performer, a writer performer who's the star of everything. Mm. Whereas in America mm. it seems to be a lot more fluid between being in the writer's room and then getting on stage or and then getting to play a part in the thing that you wrote. But like I always think of like Michael Schur in the US office where he plays Moe's Dwight's brother. <laughs> and I feel like he's someone who did a bit of that and wasn't feeling it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um it's it's funny though, because um I was recently in a writer's room uh, for the Emily Atac show and we hmm. were in the writer's room for that for about five weeks. And most of the writers in there were sketch performers and loads mm. of them got invited to be act, to act in the sketches. So it's I can see how I think when you have that writer's room where you have like every day working together, reading out ideas together, you can see, oh, that person's a good performer. That person's good at performing that one character. I can see how that would arise naturally. But yeah, my, my favourite, my, one of my favourite moments in the Emily Atak writer's room was <laughs> um, we kept reading out. So like, you know, uh, people would come in, we'd do a read through of all the sketches we'd wrote, written that week. And then a couple of days later, the producer would be like, oh, you were really good at performing that character. Would you like to act and be that character in the show? And I was never once asked. Oh, no. <laughs> I would have said no. I would have said no. I, it's not for me. But it was just very funny. Oh, is there is there anything in this episode you didn't like? I don't. I think the only thing I'd say in comparison to some of the other episodes is you have a bit less of um, Jake and Matt together compared to some of the other episodes. And it's funny that you mm. didn't even pick up that they were the two main characters. No, I would have thought it was like... I would have kind of not even Matt being a main character. I would have thought it was like The Office, yeah, and that because Kate was leading the sort of B plot in this, and A plot is sort of about Matt, but there's a lot of other people in that. No, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's it's like it's loosely about Matt and Jake, and Kate normally so Kate and John, so John's the board character. They typically are the antagonists of any episode, mm. um, because they're a bit more senior. And but both of them, like the character, like I say, it's, it's very episodic, but they have a lot of fun with those two characters as the series progresses. But um, yeah, fundamentally, Jake and Matt, they're two of the creators of the show and they they're dynamic when they're just talking and they're just seeing those two opposing views on corporate culture and like essentially capitalism is is a real joy to kind of is a real joy to watch a lot of the time. So I could have done with more Matt and Jake. Is what, <laughs> what makes this a very special episode for you? Is there something like a scene or a theme that resonates? I think it's just that that feeling of being a woman being judged in the workplace. And I think even though it's an episode about makeup, I think this idea of tone policing is something hmm. that really resonates with me. Like I remember like from such a young age, people telling me at school that they didn't like me because I was full of myself and oh my gosh and like all I can think of like you know as an adult looking back I'm like is is it because I was quite confident you know what I mean it's like because mm. you know like internally I hated myself that the whole way through like the whole way through primary school secondary school I was just racked with insecurity the whole time and I just hated myself so the idea that I was being told that I was too full of myself was like but but I'm literally not like how mm. could you say that like and all I can think was that 
I spoke in lessons and I wasn't afraid to talk to people and I was just outwardly a confident person and I think if I'd been a boy then that I just don't think that would have ever come up. Mm. So um, mm. yes, yeah, so this idea of tone policing is something is something I've really felt in my life. It massively alarms me. So I've got a three three and a half year old niece, and it is massively. It's the first time I've ever had like she's the first child that I've known since I've been an adult. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a weird way of putting I know it. What you mean, I, I don't know many children either. So. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, where would I meet them? I don't know. I don't hang out with children. Yeah, I, know, I mean, that's because like, you can't seek out new child friends. That's not, that's not a thing anyone should be doing. <laughs> but she, um, it sort of massively alarms me in a big way how quickly sort of how early that stuff starts to creep in for people like she is already being referred to as bossy Mm. by people in her life and it makes me go like she's not bossy she's first of all three and like (laughs) she's just telling you what she wants if you're letting a three-year-old boss you around then you've got (laughs) (laughs) oh uh, it's yeah it's a huge thing i would like to think that it is getting better but i'm i don't know not convinced it's interesting because it's something you know in writers rooms i'm i'm a very outspoken outspoken person in writers rooms and Mm. um i do often I do often worry that it kind of like I quite often will find myself talking in a writer's room and then go oh wait no I should stop talking I shouldn't be saying I shouldn't be talking as much as this and mm. um the thing I've sort of like kind of resolved myself to is like you know what I'm getting paid quite a lot to be here so I, I will make sure they yeah. get their money's worth of Tasha Dan yeah. um, <laughs> but you know I shouldn't even like if I'm having a conversation I'm bringing stuff to the room that this idea of oh wait should I should I police myself should I make sure that I'm not being too intimidating like I feel like that I'd you know that isn't something that should even come into my mind but um I was Mm. talking to a producer the other day about the way I am in writers rooms and she's like you make people behave in writers rooms Uh. (laughs) I was like what does that mean she's like she's like oh I can just I can't quite describe it but basically you just make it very clear that it's not a writers room to put down other people's ideas and if someone does that, you instantly go on the defensive for that person's idea. And I'm like, well, that's very nice. Oh, that's a good role to it's have a good in the writers. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, because I think especially like you know, in my current job at uh, BBC, I do a lot of writers' rooms with completely new writers um, mm. who've like never been in a writers' room before. And I think it is important, you know, to set up very clearly. Like, if I like your idea, I'm going to say explicitly I like your idea and like so to me that's not coming across I I never considered that being setting a tone for the room or like challenging challenging assholes in a room but apparently it is oh I've definitely been in rooms where I could have done with you playing <laughs> that role because oh yeah yeah there are it's a very particular vibe sometimes yeah of, like I think my role is Miss Bossy Boots in a writer's Ooh. room to like be like I think because I've come from like a so because I had jobs in like youth and community work before I was a writer yeah I think my role tends to be 
like we're starting now and <laughs> this is what we're doing and then lunchtime is at this time and we have to go for lunch well, so even if you're and not like, even if you're not the one running the room you're still <laughs> no like i because i think nobody runs a room like yeah. i think as from having been in that position of being like a youth worker and stuff i'm always like nobody's running this room and then there's like oh, there's one person who's been talking for like an hour and nobody has stopped them. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then there's one person who's not said a single thing because there's not been any room to do that. Like, I th- yeah, I can be a real a real annoying person in rooms. No, I, but I, I, think, I think we need both of those. I think we need my skill set and your skill set in a room though. Yeah, we'd make the perfect we room. We really would. <laughs> we should be in a room together. That'd be great. We should. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you so much for chatting to me today. That was a lovely, really nice to discover a new show. And I think, I think the newest show I've talked about on this podcast, and the, I'm really excited to go and watch some more of it because yeah. it felt very easy to watch. I'm glad. I, I think it is. I think it's very. Easy. Um, where can people? I keep saying where can people find you, and I mean on the internet, not just like <laughs> walking around. I mean, town. to be honest, bakeries. <laughs> Uh, that's where <laughs> most bakeries most of the time. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at Tasha Danraj and uh, on my, my website, which is www.tashadanraj.com. So either of those. You've got a very nice writer's website. I know that's um, a very specific thing to comment on, <laughs> but not everybody does have a nice website and yours is a good one. I've I've been... I looked at it for this to get your bio and stuff. And I was like, I should have a nice website like this. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, my, my main thing for my website is that when I go on other, because like, you know, before I was a professional writer, I was constantly stalking the websites of every, like every cool looking writer. I knew I was like, okay, I need to find out everything about them, how they did it, what blah, 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 blah. And so basically I've just made sure that I've provided the information that I wanted when I would go ah, on other people's that's websites. that's good. Yes, you should provide that information because i am not providing that on my website i have to say and i think yeah yeah that is a good thing people want to know that stuff yeah yeah it's like it's Ah. it's you know i basically want to give people bitch fodder you know if they if they want to go oh (laughs) did you see and they can like did you know she Oh, thanks again for coming on. <laughs> it's been lovely. To, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's been lovely. And there we go. That was Tasha Danraj with Corporate Season 2. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed that show. Uh, it's one that I, I want to go back and watch um, when I've got a bit of time because I think it's a really easy watch and something that um, you don't have to, you know, there's a lot of TV that you feel like you have to devote your life to and almost have like a ledger of what's going on but I feel like that's not going to be the case with uh corporate just a nice uh funny comedy uh, and who who amongst us doesn't need that at this point in time my very special guest next week is going to be Juno Dawson the writer Juno Dawson and we'll be talking about uh for the first time I'm going to talk about more of a plot than a, an episode um and I think you'll get most of the plot um it's of from from the L word um, and I think you'll get most of the plot from the episodes Layup and Les Girls from season four. We'll be dealing with the the oft-talked-about plot where Jenny Schechter, um, in an act of getting revenge for a bad review of her novella, kills a dog. Um, and I think you'll you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Um, so I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, and in the meantime, don't touch those bloody dials. Crime solving devil, it makes sense, don't overthink it.